0: You're listening to Neurodiversity at Work. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimize. Optimize is a unique training platform that helps companies hire and retain neurodiverse talent. They are already working with an amazing client list globally. I actually first came across Optimize when I met CEO and founder Ed Thompson at an event. Ed's talk inspired me to actually do this podcast and all the other interesting and fascinating things I'm getting involved in around neurodiversity. If you want to find out more about Optimize and their work, head to optimize.com. That's Optimize with a Z. I also interviewed Ed in episode two, so why don't you go and check it out there? In today's podcast, I have the pleasure of being joined by Yona Welker, an explorer, observer, board member but an expert in data, AI, and technology for civic health. And it's incredible the uh, types of technologies that are now available that we talk through in this podcast. Robotics, adaptive learning technology, speech recognition, uh, text recognition, face recognition. I always felt that technology could be the answer to empowering those who are neurodiverse. And we discussed that with Yona, and how he's ensuring that technology is going to be the answer to empowering those who are neurodiverse. This is truly uh, an exceptional individual and a wonderful podcast episode. Enjoy. Yona. welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Let them know who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Basically, I define myself uh, as a technologist and evangelist of inclusion and diversity. Uh, I started my way around 20 or five uh, in technology world and my key interests were around machine learning, data science and hardware. And later I jumped to more uh, impact uh, field. Currently I present uh, the Yona Font, which focused on building inclusive ecosystem for open source, decentralization of economy, Open e-learning, healthcare, and well-being focused on a diverse spectrum of uh, individuals, no matter what kind of diversity we mean, uh, brain, uh, health, uh, conditions, or neurodiversity. So what I do currently, yes.
0: That sounds really fascinating. And I think from, uh, from what I've been exploring, specifically around neurodiversity, I generally feel, and you'll be a much better person to... Uh, to help us with this, uh, that technology is, is possibly going to be the answer to really help us in the future, uh, to ensure that we're able to access brilliant minds uh, and get the best out of them. Uh, and so on that basis, what does neurodiversity mean to you as an idea, as a concept? Uh,
1: yes. Unfortunately, I have explored wisdom recently but i felt this thing uh i i I guess since my first days in technology because i felt uh to being adopted in school i i was forced to abandon my school to learn uh, on my own because i struggled to uh, remind things to communicate people, and for myself, I define ne- neurodiversity is a, what I call deep ability. Is uh, um, when I'm able to find how to efficiently perform and with well for my superpower. And then I able to connect with ability with particular environment, like minded people, like minded community and relevant technology. So basically what's what I see currently in neurodiversity is my ability and relevant environment, community and technology.
0: Wow. So let let's just go back on on the point that you mentioned there around kind of the uh your education um growing up and the fact that you uh you know you had to leave I guess traditional education because Uh, what you're talking about there is being able to add significant value from a, I guess, technology perspective, from being able to utilize your brain in a way that perhaps others can't, um, yet not being able to fit into the traditional environment of academia. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, basically, I abandoned my education around uh, 40 years old. It was driven uh, both by my uh, neurodiverse condition, but also the fact that I have uh, multiple sclerosis, I have a chronic fatigue, and it was a a very difficult not only communicate people, but also have enough energy to perform uh, during a classroom uh, session, it was very difficult. But the worst thing uh, is issue in the way how I learn. Uh, Basically, I'm not able to remind things through uh, listening, it's very hard. Basically, I pr- uh, I prefer to uh, write things and repeat it several times. At some point, I explored what I need to um, analyze information and put it in some kind of data sets. It's similar to uh, how it works in machine learning, and it helped me to remind it. So it's a kind of formulas of information, and it helped me to understand it better. Uh, at the same time, uh, I have issues in terms of uh, understanding of uh, emotional thing. Uh, for instance, um, I wasn't able to um, completely understand uh, emotional element in communication, and I need. I ask people to, for instance, please evaluate how happy you are, because I'm not able to read your face. I'm not able to communicate emotional element, and at some point, I'm really struggle. Uh, to be efficient uh, in classroom and just go to the <laughs> learning on my own and it was a uh, huge journey since uh, school days and after that I jump in this approach um, and university learning I'm learning programs of Harvard Stanford, MIT and uh, of course I experiment a lot with writing. Uh, one of my biggest exploration was journalism. Uh, my first uh, occupation before my technology journey is a tech journalist and writing was uh, extremely beneficial in order to not only uh, become creator and find my occupation, but educate myself to uh, help me remind p- things and analyze it and understand the world. So that's how it happened for me.
0: And just coming back to a point you made earlier, Jona, around um, fatigue and I guess, not being able to work in the same way that others might feel comfortable working. How do you manage that? How do you ensure, or have you been able to ensure that you get the best out of yourself and your mind uh, and your ideas uh, without, uh, I guess, um, being pulled back into kind of the systems and processes that organizations and educational systems, uh, I guess, force us into often?
1: Uh, Yes, uh, it's a good question. Uh, Basically, I've come from uh, several periods of my mindset and approaches. At some point, I really... tried to push myself i thought that like something like a no pain no gain i need to push myself in order to overcome this fatigue but later i explored this very bad and my conditions uh, became worse so um i started to find appropriate proportion of a a different kind of um, workload for instance at some point i really Used extensive amount of uh, sport activities because I thought that it uh, is beneficial, but in, uh, later I start to limit it. Uh, limit my, uh, for instance, even working some physical meeting and spend more time at home. Uh, some uh, some people think that is a counterintuitive that you need to be very active in order to overcome your condition. But in contrary, I try to adapt to this condition. For instance, I spend more time at home. I try to make any kind of physical activities and even meetings very limited, or I even... restrict some meetings at all. And for instance, most of my current work uh, I've done remotely because at some point I realized that, for instance, when I spend some speaking engagements and leave conferences, it's very exhausting. I became not efficient and my condition became worse. So I just go to the remote session, leave session. I just build the whole environment of my work learning around uh, this, including my uh, physical exercise, uh, personal life. Everything is adapted to condition. I, I've never tried to push myself. I try to be <laughs> in comfort zone. Maybe it's, it's a bit uh, counterintuitive for other people.
0: That's really interesting. So how has that then impacted your level of success? Because clearly you have gone on now um, and you've been successful and you've been able to create a life uh, that works for you, I guess, both a personal and professional life. How, how has that um, focus, the way you focused your time and effort and energy translated into successful work and life?
1: Uh, yes, it's a good question. uh firstly, I would love to underline that around uh fourteen in my teenager uh, years, I was extremely depressed and I felt that I'm dumb. I have no uh, any future, and uh my perspective uh, uh don't exist. um but I was extremely stubborn, and once I explored that I'm efficient in some uh, type of work. I just dedicate whole myself to his work. For instance, when I explored that journalism work for me and writing work for me, or making technologies remotely work for me, I just completely uh, uh, restrict any other activities. Some people said that I'm kind of crazy because I avoid some kind of uh, uh, social uh, interactions. I avoid some kind of maybe physical activities. Um, from external perspective, but I am completely dedicate myself to particular type of work. And for instance, around uh, 17 years old, I was after over around 100 of articles. I built my first technology company completely remotely. I was a very fanatical person. And since this moment, I'm still uh, (laughs) such type of person. If I think that something doesn't work for me, I even uh, don't try to do it. I'm always I uh, keep my comfort zone and it works for me. For instance, I became a part of even multilateral organization like a World Economic Forum or United Nations completely remotely. I said, I don't work to uh, visit your events. And while you mostly focus on such format, I don't care. I will work remotely <laughs> and it worked for me. I uh, mentored many ecosystem around the world for this format. And I try to uh, impact this ecosystem even though we had no uh, format before, before me. And I said, okay, but uh, w- you will work with me in this format because I think it's cool. <laughs> so I tried to adapt uh, with world uh, to my requirements and it worked. Uh, specifically when I achieved particular level of expertise, uh, background, and I just uh, changed everything to my requirements and it worked.
0: And not- that's... I think something we've discussed in the past um, with previous guests, the fact that actually, um, I, you know, I've I discussed this with my daughter, for example, and sometimes I get frustrated because uh, the school system, the educational system forces people, you, I, my daughter, uh, to do things that are not just outside of their comfort, comfort zone, but they're uncomfortable, you know, they're they're not good. Um, for their mental health, well-being, or to actually improve their capability in any particular areas, and I think what you've just touched on is is brilliant because you you've said it in a way that it's you you know you're not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. I might word it a different way, but this, this would just be the way that my brain works: is that actually you're focusing on those things where you're perhaps passionate, where you have strength already, and therefore you're harnessing those strengths. And therefore, they become, you know, you become brilliant at them. And I think we've seen examples of this in sports, you know, in athletics. We've seen it um, in in performers, in actors. We've seen it in business leaders where actually they don't spend too much time focusing on those areas that need development or their perceived weaknesses. They just focus on what they're good at. Um, They make their right hand brilliant (laughs) and, and not worry too much about strengthening their left hand, so to speak. Do, does that resonate with you or, or do you think that is that is different to what you're trying to explain here
1: uh Yes, it's definitely what I just explained, and uh basically, I try to be completely transparent at some point uh ecosystems really push me to feel that i'm kind of a different and a different maybe in a bad way, like uh, there is a kind of normality and I'm kind have some kind of deviation and I'm not able to perform well. But uh, in contrary, I tried to push this ecosystem to uh, realize that all we, we all have some kind of difference. There is no any kind of normality. There is no kind of book we'd explain with normality. And if for instance, with worker prefer to work in your office is okay. I prefer to work remotely, it's still okay. Which person prefer more communication and uh, use anecdotes or some kind of a humor in the workplace and I don't like it. But we're still uh, in the same uh, place. We're still able to work and perform well, but uh, and we're different. At the same time, I tried to come up with some solutions. So, for instance, if Ecosystem had no idea how to work with me, I just suggested my options, uh, and it worked.
0: So, Yona, can you tell me a bit more about uh, the, the organizations that you set up um, and, and how that came about? I, I imagine it was partly... Um, to facilitate and support the way that you like to work. Um, but tell me a bit more about those technology companies and, and what they did and, and how you set them up.
1: Uh, yes, um, I started my journey in 2005. I was a teenager, but uh, I was able to become tech entrepreneur. My first venture was it was called hardware tech. It was mostly a media platform focused on reviews of uh, hardware and deep technology And uh, it's really covered my interest to data because, uh, though I was located in Europe at this period, uh, it uh, helped me to connect organization in Asia Pacific, uh, US across Europe, and I was able to uh, explore this technology, understand it. Uh, At this period, I hired my first team, and uh, while uh, being teenager. It was the first moment then I felt that I have a control. Before, I've never felt it. I I felt like I'm some kind of a boat in the river and some stuff happened, but basically I'm always... I am never fit this system, never happened good, never works, and I always felt myself dumb, but now it works. Um, i sitting at home, I'm writing some stuff, companies uh, uh, send some... Uh, products to me and I generate some maybe not significant but revenue and it it was terrific not in terms of a business I I never cared about business at this period I cared about my uh, uh, self-independence finding myself and with life and it was completely covered my passion. Uh, I sold with organization in 2009, and my next passion was uh, data science and machine learning. At this period, MySpace uh, was one of the biggest names in social networks. Facebook wasn't so successful at this period, and I work on algorithms related to... Um, personalization uh, and content curation. And in particular, uh, I co-created startup in 2012 related to my personalized data. At the same time, I co-created uh, many other teams who use similar approaches. For instance, we've built uh, predictive analytics for music industry: how to predict the next big hit, how to use predictive analytics for Hollywood movies, how to use it for healthcare, education. So basically, I try to explore how to accumulate data. To connect it with uh, social uh, challenges or social. Uh, demand and it was very similar to my pain because in my in my past I tried to use some kind of a learning approaches to understand how to find myself how to how one a little kid is able to communicate with the whole world and what kind of a technology I need and basically machine learning data science was very close to my journey and um. In 2014, um, I became really obsessed with the uh, theory and practice of talent. Um, I try to understand if something works for me, how it how it can work for other people, and I mean not only neurodiverse individuals, but uh, different kind of individuals around the world. How people, let's say from Africa, can become creator if they face uh, financial limitations. How to find an extremely uh, I don't like the word uh, smart, but talented or special who came up with some interesting uh, ideas around the world. So in 2017, I have created a foundation focused on underrepresented talent minorities. Um, Initially, it was specifically focused on women. And we have gathered uh, around 500 uh, fellows, including two Nobel laureates. And uh, later, it became more focused on uh, not only tailing, but related technologies would help to uh, make our ecosystem more accessible, equal, uh, not in terms of political equality, but actual equality when we have an AI uh, some kind of a robotics or open source would help people like me or like you or people around the world to be connected to this system and never feel alone, abandoned, and dumb how I felt myself because people say what I'm dumb and I have no future. Uh, it was uh, words of my teachers and my parents and basically the whole ecosystem always hate me and was what I feel all of my life. And I just try to... I Try to create something that help people understand that it's not a problem of these people, it's a problem of the ecosystem. And basically it's not so hard is uh, to update it. We don't even need to change it, just update it to integ- integrate some technologies and it works. So I think that's how it works for me. <laughs>
0: that's re- really good. And so what does that look like if we're going to translate that into something really tangible that we can we can I guess somebody who maybe um doesn't understand the challenges that you face or that I face or others may face in terms of accessing the, the world um and engaging with the world. What what would it look like in some kind of tangible solution? How would somebody access it and feel it and understand it?
1: Uh yes. Um I would mention several technologies I really love. Uh um at first I would love to mention that uh, everything um uh, I will uh, list currently, is far from ideal. We still need to improve these technologies, but it already works and it's uh, very helpful. First thing uh, is a robotics for neurodiverse individuals or AI for neurodiverse individuals. For instance, we have a company like, like uh, Lux AI or uh, Milo uh, is a special robot with uh, adapt to kids with a neurodiverse conditions uh, or type of personality in order to um, help them to um, learn in specific pace, in specific type of learning. Basically, it's a very similar to what I try to find out for myself, but it, uh, it's worked in automatic way. So robotic help to adapt to your pace, your uh, strength and weaknesses, and find your uh, superpower and your ability and learn in this particular way uh, second uh, is adaptive learning it's a ve- very similar to previous point and it's used across uh, different countries initially china was uh, one of the key players on this market uh it works both for narrow diverse um student but also for any kind of a Uh, personality it's when we have a platforms with uh, adapted for your story of your learning for instance uh, i'm not able to uh, communicate well and system uh, will record this data and it will help you to be in focus on your superpower for instance mathematics and your further uh, studies disciplines and your activities in classroom and tasks will be focused on your superpower and help you to be more comfortable in classroom. And uh, currently is a very powerful tools uh, for teachers and classroom universities uh, in general. Um, other technologies um, are more uh, kind of assistance. For instance, I would love to mention uh, speech recognition, uh, hearing uh, um, enhancement, uh or special uh tools would help to uh, s- uh fight with dyslexia is it, for instance uh text recognition or uh, uh reading helpers Is a different kind of tools would help people depending on the type of a disability or a diversity uh being integrated in classroom for instance uh some kids uh, experience serious issues in reading and, re- and there are some kind of AI and robotics would help you uh, to be comfortable in reading we work in a thematic way they find your uh, mistakes but it's much more focused on you and at work not as a usual teacher who are sometimes are far from uh, personality is full of empathy, but it's more focused on personalized solution. Or, uh, for instance, of uh, uh, speech uh, or face recognition solution, uh, for instance, with people with speech impairment. And we have AI with help to recognize uh, sign language in order to help people with uh, speech recognition to be integrated in classroom. So uh, basically, uh, I'm very happy with all pattern of technologies Uh, we have currently in this uh, field. But sure, there are some uh, cons and uh, challenges as well. For instance, data ethic, but it's a different question.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sure you can tell us some about that. But before we move on to that point, um, do you think that there is enough visibility and then access to the types of technologies now that are available, the types of things that you've mentioned do you think globally, they, and I guess even more so in those countries um, where they may struggle to have access to, to technology and to education in the same way as more developed or countries, I guess?
1: Um yes it's a very good question it's a, one of the biggest problems we have currently so while we have a technologies startups and innovation which have a great promises and have a great potential unfortunately based on my statistic and my experience a uh, very important technology are not able to find funding for instance even if you're a spin off or a startup based on harvard you can die and even though you got traction uh, very often, investors are not really interested in support and so important technologies. And we've made some uh, presentation conferences. We made some presentation at universities or at schools or hospitals. And after that, they die. And it's a huge problem. We need a uh, significantly much more awareness and demonstration of these technologies around the world. Uh, and it basically, it's a part of my work as well, is evangelism of the uh, impactful technologies, not just uh, mobile apps or things would help to create funny faces on your uh, phone, but things would actually ha- uh, treat people, assist them, or uh, create uh ecosystems. So, yes, it's a huge problem. And uh, I mentioned the several uh, first level. And second level is the adoption. Uh, so even though we are, we are able to fund some particular startups and technologies, uh, current schools, universities, uh, or hospitals often are not able to adopt it, both to lack of uh, uh, experts or people who are able to use this technology because we need some kind of an additional certification or education in order to use it. At the same time that uh, very often, automation lead to um that some people uh, lose their uh places because robots uh, uh replace some teachers and some people don't want to lose their jobs and it's a problem so our innovation process is really struggle uh through this process through bureaucracy through uh the problem of uh uh, losing of jobs for some people, and yes, it's a huge problem. And basically, even though we have startups currently, we need up to maybe 10 years in order to adopt and make it spread across the all ecosystems. It's a huge problem, yes.
0: Do you think, uh, I guess the current crisis, not putting that to one side, do you think a crisis of this type, if we're talking about uh, COVID-19, that actually forces organisations to focus more on digital solutions. If we think around working from home, just as an example, you know, the entire workforce might have to do that. Do you think that might accelerate the opportunity um, to implement some of these technologies so that we're not waiting up to 10 years? Or do you think it's, it, that time is almost set? It's, it's going to have to take that time?
1: Um I would love to hope so but uh I think my personal opinion that no while definitely some kind of acceleration uh will happen in some companies and organization really um uh have concerns about current situation and they realize that we need to update our workplaces make it more technology advanced Uh, provide more remote opportunities to uh, add more ai and data into into the process i believe uh that at some point uh they still too uh, uh, full of bureaucracy and they still uh um, have many problems in order to change everything at the same time i believe that then uh the epidemic We'll stop and everything will be okay. Many organizations go to the old routine. And I believe current announcements are very driven by current situation, but it's not part of their mindset. I would love to remind another thing. Uh, Just uh, one year ago or more, uh, there was a scandal with the Ferranas. It was a medical startup. Um, it was it, it was a kind of bubble who use a, a venture funding in order to uh, basically create nothing. And uh, after the scandal, uh, some venture investors start to say, oh, we should be focused on impact. We should be more uh, efficient in terms of a screening and vetting of technology. But basically, we have discussed this problem in five, six, seven years in advance that we have some kind of a hustlers, uh, scum artists, that uh, technology is full of problem, of a transparency, uh, sometimes corruption, and nobody cared. And I believe that currently we have some kind of boom of activity of the public responsibility, but I'm not sure what is a, a differently uh, part of mindset and actual actions uh, for many organizations we have on market.
0: Okay, you mentioned around uh, uh, data there, I guess, uh, and earlier on as well, what do you think uh, are the risks and the opportunities with regards to um, what this technology is doing, the types of data that it's collating, um, and I guess the risk to individuals who are neurodiverse uh, and who are probably you know, at risk for a variety of reasons of, of being misrepresented or um, being uh, having a, a, a negative views pushed towards them for a wide variety of reasons. I mean, data could be a risk, right, to to, to make this even worse? Uh,
1: yes. Um, basically, uh, I started to think about issues related to data around, I guess, 2012 or 2014, while I'm I work on one of my companies because uh, at this period, I realized that basically we accumulated data Uh, about any person in the world and we're able to access it very uh, easy for instance we know about your interest what you love what you hate your interest of your friends colleagues partners it's very easy to obtain it through social network channels for instance and now uh, just imagine that since uh, childhood or school Uh, Some companies is able to accumulate your data uh, about your profiles, your interest, and, for instance, sell this information to organization. Because, for instance, what what Facebook Facebook does, Uh, this company sells your data to advertisers in order to provide personalized advertising, in order to sell some products to you. Uh, and now uh, we have a actually dangerous situation that people uh, became a target for a brand organization or even governors uh, since uh, early years and even in childhood. Uh, so that's why, for instance, uh, not only me, but my colleagues, partners and different uh, people from ecosystem work on things that called data ethic. It's a very complex uh, term that involved uh, several levels. For instance, uh, it it involves uh, uh, coders and engineers ethic. For instance, no matter what kind of level of team members in technology companies we have, we always teach them, you're not a manager of this data. You're not the owners, you're just the coders. You have no any right to use it. Uh, second, uh, we try to educate both organizations and institutions and individuals about your rights. For instance, if you don't want to provide some data, res- there should be some kind of open agreement or consent about what kind of data you would love to provide or you uh, decided to avoid any kind of openness of your data. Uh, so people should be uh, educated, and we need uh, open. Uh, awareness projects and platforms in this field. Uh first there are very good laws both in Europe and the US uh related to regulation of privacy and security. So basically uh my feeling that uh this on one hand it's a very tough and dangerous challenge if we do nothing. But uh, hopefully, uh, both on the public level, on multilateral level, but also on the level of organization, uh, positive things happen, in, um, both in terms of the uh, laws, uh, even curses for engineers in order to be ethical first. So I think uh, it will be good.
0: Excellent. Thank you. I just wanted to come back to some things that you mentioned, uh, before we, before we finish off and and hopefully you can tell us around what's next for you, Yona, but there's some things that I'm really interested in learning more. And I don't think we're going to, we're going to do this today. I would possibly encourage people to go and find out more around the work that you do, because when you talked about the robotics and the adaptive learning, I I mean, that really pricked up my ears because, uh, I mean, school was, was a challenge for me also, um, and I found in the early years I put my hand up and then I just stopped putting my hand up because I was the only one putting my hand up and I was always the last to put my hand up if you see what I mean and I never got the answers that, that I needed uh, because my concentration wasn't there I wasn't in the room I was often in other places in my mind But so when you talk about robotics that are you that are user focused and, and adaptive learning to the individual I, I just find that an incredible future and, and one that I want to be a part of um, so I'm um, I'm really excited um, by some of those things that you mentioned. It's great that that's backed up with um, other things like text recognition, speech recognition, face re- facial recognition, other pieces of technology that perhaps can can be a quicker mechanism to help you in the moment. Um, but then those things that can actually help you over your whole period through academia to ensure ensure that you're engaged in that environment in the right way uh, and that the that, that environment gets the best out of you so i'm just i'm really pleased you, you you've mentioned those things and, and they're an important focus for you And um, but i guess uh finally you know what what's in the future for you now what can we expect what should we look out for and how can we connect with you um
1: yes uh basically um if before I was focused uh, primarily on my own projects, currently I try to be everywhere. So, uh, for instance, if you go uh, with your startup into Singularity University or 500 startups, basically I'm where um, and I try to help you with your uh, journey. At the same time, I'm continuing my journey with my foundation, uh, finding uh, talent around the world. At the same time, uh, I'm continuing my humanitarian work. For instance, in uh, this year, a um, mentored program in Israel and Palestine dedicated to using of computer science in order to tackle social challenges. And it was an extremely positive experience in order to understand how uh, tough uh, experiences and pressure able to generate talent or uh, facilitate action. It, it, it's, so I think uh, it's a very easy to be in touch with me, just be, be involved in technology and I believe uh, we we will face uh, each other uh, remotely for some kind of session or projects.
0: That's absolutely incredible, and I do urge people to go to go and check you out uh, uh, and follow the work that you're doing. And, and I also want to say, honest, uh, you've 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 mentioned something so important, um, which is you can be incredibly powerful. You can do amazing things. Um, and, and often you just need to follow your own path and your own belief system, understand yourself as best you can uh, and then do all you can um, to be able to harness the power um, that you have within yourself. And I think that, you know, everybody um, can take a lot from that, no, no matter who you are, what your background, what your mindset. Um, but I think there certainly is a, a lot to take from that. So I, I thank you so much for being on today. Uh, It is absolutely fascinating. I I certainly want to learn more uh, about what we've been discussing today, and and I surely will. So thank you kindly.
1: Yes, and uh, as a conclusion of our discussion, I would love to mention one great uh, phrase. Um, I heard just yesterday, there is no way uh, to fail, only learn or win. So if you have some kind of neurodiverse condition, it always makes sense to try uh, that works for you, even though it's a counterintuitive or even though people say it's not okay, it's not traditional or general for your society, for your community. Just try it. Uh, any way you will learn from your path, but it always makes sense to go in your own way, then uh, always try to face something that never work, and you're never happy with that. So, thank you so much.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Sure. This episode was brought to you by Optimize, the neurodiversity training platform for employers. If you think your business could benefit by doing more to attract and retain people who think differently, visit. Optimize's website at optimize.com